0: You remember a few weeks ago, we started a new series on the Gospel of Matthew, and Pastor Steve got us started with discussing on the lineage of Jesus, our Savior, and what kind of king he was, that he is the divine king, that he is human in every sense, and also God. And where is this kingdom? The Jews thought that this kingdom is going to be in, in Jerusalem. But we know that his kingdom is not only for this present world, but for all things. And what does kingdom living look like? How do we live in this kingdom? You know, Jesus has fulfilled over 200 prophecies in the Old Testament. Even in the Gospel of Matthew alone, he fulfilled over 60 prophecies, Old Testament prophecies. He's the divine rightful king. And he's also human at the same time, yet without sin. He hasn't sinned, and he is the perfect Savior. Last week, our brother Alam Seger laid us into the second section, and he challenged us. What is our response for the coming King? You remember the Magi, they came all the way from the east, traveling over 2,000 kilometers to worship and offer their gifts to this King. While King Herod, and all those who were living in Jerusalem, rejected him. So he, Adam Seger challenged us to, to desire, to acknowledge, and to worship this king. So far in the story of the baby king, things seem to be going on very well. They have settled well in Jerusalem and in Bethlehem. But suddenly, their life is going to change. They are going to be on the run. And this is the only place we find this story is only recorded in the Gospel of Matthew. And he has recorded it for that purpose alone. So when the going gets tough, where do we turn? What is our shelter, our comfort, our protection? What hope do we have that God's plan for our lives will prosper, will succeed? That's what we are going to look. So if I may ask us all to stand together. For the reading of God's Word. We want to show our respect for God's Word, that's why we are standing as we read, because it is the living Word of God. We are going to start from verses 13, chapter 2 verse 13. Now when they had departed, behold an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, rise, Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children, But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being one in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazareth. This is the word of God for the people of God. And all of God's people said. Praise be to God. You may be seated. Our Father, may the reading and expounding of your word be accomplished in our midst. For we know that your word is living and active. And may you teach us and also help us to listen and do your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So our main point for this text is very simple. It's about God's divine protection for this child in the face of severe opposition. You know, our redemption story is not a random event. It's not a coincidence. It has been in the making. It has been planned for all time. God initiated our redemption story in Genesis when Adam and Eve sinned. In Genesis chapter 3, the Lord said when he cursed the serpent, he said, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offsprings and her offspring. he He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. From that moment on, God's sovereign act of redemption, saving mankind, has been progressing. When we look at the lineage of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew, it started with Abraham. The Lord said he's going to bless him and make him a blessing to the nations in Genesis chapter 12. Even to David, the Lord promised that he will, his kingdom shall be established forever. So that our, our stories, God's saving act has been in motion. So God is in, in the business of redeeming us to himself. So when the fulfillment of time came, he sent his son as a baby. I sometimes wonder why as a baby Jesus could have come as like an adult man, just like, a, like me, and appeared suddenly and died. But he came as weak, dependent, so that he can identify himself with us. So when this section of the gospel read, he said, when they had departed, when the Magi, when the wise men departed, King Herod got furious, because he thought that the Magi would lead him to this baby Jesus, and that he would deal with him. Last week, remember that Alem Sagar explained what kind of King Herod was, how notorious, how cruel, how heinous he was, how mad this king was, that he doesn't negotiate at all. His language is only killing and destroying and getting rid of all those who are threatening his kingdom. But when the Magi came to Jerusalem and asking, where is he born King of the Jews? So when Herod heard this story, he was troubled, not only him, but also those who are in Jerusalem. If you compare King Herod with this King baby Jesus, why would he threaten him? King Jesus, this little baby, He he was born in a manger. His family are poor. He doesn't have an army. He doesn't have servants. He he doesn't look like kingly. On the other hand, King Herod has all the armies, has all the servants, has all the resources and the wealth. And when you look at him, he's so king. But this little child threatened him so much. And he couldn't sleep until he gets rid of him. Because he knew that this King Jesus is no ordinary king. Now when they departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. And he said, rise, take this child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search and destroy this child. As soon as Matthew's Jewish reader, hear the word Egypt, it evokes a memory. For, for the Jews, Egypt is not any ordinary place. They know they have been enslaved in Egypt. And also when, when you look at the word like Joseph in a dream. Joseph had a dream. You remember in the Genesis account that Joseph had a dream about his brothers coming and worshiping bound down, down to him. Joseph is known for his, for his dreams, even his brothers say, here comes the dreamer, he's known for all his dreams, he interprets dreams. He also interprets Pharaoh's dream, that's why he was elevated to a second in command in Egypt. And then his father and all his brothers and sons, they all came fleeing from Jerusalem to Egypt. So when the Israelites hear the word Egypt, they remember the stories. And Matthew quoted Hosea 11.1. It says, out of Egypt I called my son. The verse reads, when Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt I called my son. This passage referenced God's bringing the children of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. And Israel was referred to as God's son. Hosea is not making a direct reference to Jesus. But Jesus, the son of God, is replacing the nation of Israel as the son. So some aspects of Jesus' personal story is repeating Israel's story. In effect, Jesus has become the new Israel. Joseph's action was immediate. He was entrusted with the care of this precious young child and his mother. Imagine when you are entrusted with that kind of care. I don't know. I haven't been entrusted with something precious. But Joseph, from the moment that his wife would be has conceived, he was troubled. He was a righteous man. He was meaning to leave her quietly. But the angels told him, the one who was conceived is from the Holy Spirit, so do not leave your wife. He was to name him Jesus. He's going to care for him. Now imagine this man entrusted with this care. I don't know whether he's, he's sleeping at night. It doesn't seem like he's sleeping at night because he, he kept dreaming and dreaming and dreaming about how would he protect this child. So that, same, that very same night, the family departed to Egypt and they stayed there until Herod died. Matthew is telling his Jewish audience that Jesus is no ordinary child. He is the new Israel, God's son, the fulfillment of all Old Testament prophecies. So Joseph was obedient to God's command that came through the angels. So we too must be obedient to God's word. Because of his obedience, he was able to save the child and his mother. So God's command, obedience, is for our sake. It's for our benefit. Oftentimes we give little value to God's command and we live our lives just the way we like. We know that the word is given to us, but we chose to ignore God's command, God's word, and live the, our lives just the way we, we please. Obedience not only shows our love and devotion to God, but is also a safeguard for us. Young people especially, they don't like commands, rules, and regulations. They want to live freely in a free world with no boundaries, with no limits. But God's commands set limits for us. It restrains the desires of the flesh for our benefit. Ask God to help you obey His commands, not only to obey it, but to delight in his commands. Because his his commands are not like duty bound. It's freeing, it's liberating, it's a safeguard for us. Few words maybe for our fathers, for those of you who are fathers. I am also one, as fathers, we have a responsibility to look after our families. It is sad to see some fathers abandon their families, walk out on their families, But the best gift that the fathers can give to their family is to walk closely with God, to listen well to God, to lead their families righteously, stick with the families in the ups and downs of life. Maybe for mothers, I hope my wife will agree with me. (laughs) Mothers, (laughs) support your husbands as they lead the family righteously. Your role is to stand with the family. Imagine Mary, when Joseph told her in the middle of the night, Wake up! Wake up! We are going to flee to Egypt. I saw a dream. She would say, No, Joseph, you are maybe daydreaming. Go back to sleep. But she was supporting her husband because she was under his care. Because she knew that this man is a righteous man. The second part of the story. The second part of the story is is, is troubling. The massacre of the innocents. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious. And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem, 2 years old and under, according to the time that he had worked out from his conversation with with the Magi's. The king was tricked. Imagine this guy. How could they trick him? But he was deceptive when he told the wise men, go search diligently for the child. So when you find him, come report that to me so that I might go and worship him. But he didn't mean that. He was wanting to know where the child is so that he go and kill him. But the angel again warned the wise men not to go back to Herod. This is busy angel, you know, the, I'm sure God has a lot of angels, so he's sending all of those angels. I wish I had one of those angels directing me, but the king was tricked. He, was, he tried to trick, but he got tricked, so he was furious, angry, and mad, and he ordered the killing of all those innocent children. Bethlehem is a small town with a population of about 1,000 people. And people or scholars estimate that those who are under two or under uh, under that age are about maybe 10 to 40 between that range. But the killing of innocent children evokes another memory for the Jews. They remember Moses. You remember in, in Exodus 1, Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, every son that is born to the Hebrews you shall cast into the Nile. So Moses during that time was the one who was saved because his mother put him on that river. So as God protected Moses in Egypt from Pharaoh, so he has protected his son Jesus Christ from King Herod in Bethlehem. So, in effect, what Matthew is telling them is not only Jesus is the new Israel, but Jesus is also Moses, the new Moses that Israelites were looking up. So, the second prophecy that we found that in, uh, in Jeremiah 31, verse 15, it says, A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. This prophecy was in Jeremiah 31. It's talking about the restoration of Israel. But in the middle of that, we find this lamentation. So Rachel was representing all the mothers of Israel. When Israel was in exile to Babylon, when their their child and, and everyone was in misery and in problems and all sorts of things, there is this agony, there is this pain. But beyond this pain, beyond this agony, there's going to be restoration. Restoration will come, but it will come at a cost. The mothers of Bethlehem paid with their children. It's true, redemption will come, but it will, it's going to cost God our Father, His Son, Jesus Christ. You know, when we are talking about the Gospel, the Gospel is free. It's a free gift for everyone who believes. When we say it is free, it doesn't mean it is cheap. It has costed God his dear son. God has given us everything in his son. He has paid it all. That's why it is free for you and I today. King Herod ordered a search and kill mission. But Jesus came for a seek and save mission. In Luke 19 it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is one of my favorite passages from Ezekiel 34 when it's talking about the good shepherd. It says, And the Lord said, Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As the shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek my sheep. And I will rescue them from all places where where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. God has a plan to protect and provide for us so that his promises for our lives will come true. The final section is about the return to Israel. But when Herod died, I love verse 19, When Herod died, the king who was trying to kill the baby, he died himself. An angel of the Lord appeared in a dream again to Joseph, saying, Rise, take this child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. The king who wanted to kill this baby king died a few years later, possibly two years later. Those who fight God's plan will ultimately fail. God's plan of redemption for our lives will be fulfilled despite opposition. So Joseph was told to go back in a dream again, and he told Mary, we need to go back. No, your life is good in in Egypt, you know, we are living off well, why are we going back? She didn't say that. She was obedient, (laughs) she got back and they were on their way. While they were on their way, he heard news that Archelaus, son, is reigning in Judea. This guy, this new king is worse than his father. He's also cruel and does all sorts of things. So when Joseph heard that he was reigning, he detoured to a district in Galilee. So this seemingly insignificant detour is very important for the Jewish readers because Galilee is a Gentile city. Because he could not return to Bethlehem, to the city of King David, he lived and grew up in a Gentile city. Our Lord lived and grew up in a Gentile city. So this clearly shows that God's plan of redemption is not only for the Jews, as the Jews thought, but it is also for the Gentiles, for all nations. So the third prophecy was also fulfilled. When Matthew quoted, he doesn't quote any particular, we, can't, we couldn't find this in, in the verse, but he says like he would be called a Nazarene. So he's from Nazareth. So Nazareth is a small town in Galilee. But Nazareth, people look down, look it down because it's like in the village. When you are like a city boy, when you are like from city Addis Ababa, or maybe you are living in Boli, I don't know. Maybe you are living in Boli Bulwula like me. People think you are smart. <laughs> but if you are living in the village, people will look down, oh, this guy is from the village. In such a way that, you know, Jesus lived and grew up in that small village, in that small town. People looked down and despised. You remember Nathaniel saying that, can anything good come out of Nazareth? But our Lord lived in obscurity, in a despised situation. He identified with our weaknesses in every sense of the word. So my friends, God's plan of redemption is for everyone. In fullness of time, God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins and to bring us closer to His kingdom. His protection over our life is not seasonal nor situational. It's all the time. It is until it's accomplished. In this season of New Year, there is no better place than to shelter under His wings. Whatever kind of oppositions or challenges we may be facing, there is no one who's going to snatch us from our Father's hand. So let's begin this new year with such confidence and hope that his plan for our lives will prosper. We all face many challenges and difficulties and temptations. So how do we handle them? The challenge differ from person to person, from age to age. The goal of our enemy is to derail us from the plan of God. He shall not succeed as he hasn't because our Lord's eye is fixed on us and he will deliver us. May I suggest a few things for us as we uh, close this uh, section. When we are faced with temptations or oppositions or challenges, sometimes it's good to flee. We have a saying in Amharic, I don't know how to translate that in English for our dear friends. So when you are afraid, when the situation is overwhelming or when you can't handle it, it's better to flee to your mother or something like that. Maybe last, I'll explain it later on. So when you are faced with tempting situations, flee. And also ask and for prayer. Ask for your friends, your Christian friends, to, pro, to pray for you. And learn to trust God. And learn to put your hope in Him and walk in obedience. So for those of you, who haven't experienced the joy and confidence that we have in Christ, this is also an invitation for you. God's plan of redemption includes you. It's not only for me or for few, it's for everyone. He desires that all come to him and shelter under his wings. Jesus said, I have come to seek and to save the lost. So his pierced hand is overstretched, outstretched for you guys, so come to his embrace. Things will not get better by coming to church, doing something with our Christian friends or hanging with them, singing beautiful Christmas songs. But we need to say, Lord, I need you. I need you to save me. I am a sinner in need of a savior. Lord Jesus, save me. So in a moment we are going to celebrate the Lord's uh, table, Holy Communion. This is a table for all sinners. It's a reminder that our Lord came and He died for our sins to redeem us from all unrighteousness. So let me pray for us. Our Lord and Savior, we thank you that you have come as a baby to identify with us in every sense of the word, yet without sin. We thank you that you are our Savior and our Lord, and we are protected under your wings. Lord, help us to live in obedience to your commands because it is a safeguard for us, Lord. So as we are welcoming this new season, our hope is in you, not in the situations, nor in the circumstances, but our hope is in you that you are the one who is going to deliver us from our enemy, and you are the one who is going to protect and watch over us. So, Lord, help us to live under your wings. Even as we celebrate Holy Communion, Lord, it's a beautiful reminder of our oneness in you, Lord, that you have given yourself to to us, that you have died for our sins, and that you have also defeated days and you rose victorious, Lord. So, Lord, help us to remember your goodness over our lives and the sacrifice that you have made over our lives. Help us to live with this truth. So we pray in your holy name, in Jesus Christ, Amen.